1: Fight fans, hello and welcome to another episode of UFC on After Buzz TV. I am not Daria Baranato, this is Jay Tan, and I'm here with my co-host, cohort, co-pilot as always, George Hermosa. Uh, Daria Baranato is, I want to say, on uh, parts unknown on location right now, but parts known uh, very impressively and uh, excitedly so, right? I heard she's in Florida, to be honest with you, but <laughs> that's what I heard. I well, mean, if official. you heard differently... Word is out there, my friend. It's official. Well, I don't know. I mean, to me, I I thought she was in Florida trying to be a professional wrestler. That's exactly what's going on. Indeed, our girl Daria Baranato uh, has made it to the final 13 of WWE's Tough Enough competition, which uh, starts airing on the WWE Network this Tuesday. Nope. Hang on on a second. Hang on on a second. I got this now. WWE Network this Tuesday and then subsequently on, uh, is that Tuesdays on the USA Network? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Tuesday is the, uh, day to check in. First episode, WWE Network, which is available online and then USA Network.
2: Please vote for her.
1: Absolutely. By the way, hashtag Jersey Devil Takeover. We're feeling good about this one. She's, uh, really impressed a lot of people in the, this opening round, as it were, and, uh, we're excited to see how far she goes in this thing. However, that uh, that said, you are not just stuck with the ugly laptop brothers here. We have got special guests in uh, by, coming in by Skype, UFC middleweight contender and uh, former uh, MFC middleweight uh, champion, smiling Sam Alvey, one of the most uh, personable and fun guys uh, right now in the UFC. Sam is uh, Sam is coming to us from his home in uh, Temecula. Is
3: that correct, Sam? Technically. I'm in Marietta, but there are two cities, and I don't know where one starts and one ends. Yeah,
1: (laughs) very very, kind of close together there. Um, Sam coming off, uh, well, right now on a three-fight win streak here, uh, coming off of a TKO finish over Dan Kelly, uh, May 15th, so not too long ago. Speaking of that, how was Australia?
0: Australia was great, uh,
3: especially coming from Southern California this time of year. It's just beautiful. It's a little cooler. It rained pretty much the whole time i was there hmm. and it was just wonderful
1: mm-hmm. a little bit different from the socal sun you, you rarely get the get so much rain you know on in socal continuously
3: yeah not so much I bet you know i'm from wisconsin and it would rain once or twice a week up there mm. and, uh, I, I really miss the rain
1: yeah yeah big uh big fan of the change in seasons and weather as well So, But we had a fight last night. Yeah. and Mexico. On top of all this stuff, we got a fight. We have uh, what I'm going to say is a hell of a pay-per-view. I thought it delivered really well. UFC 170. I'm sorry. 188. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. Uh, From uh, Mexico City. Arena Ciudad de Mexico. Uh, Big headlines are Fabricio Verdum. Unifying the heavyweight titles over Kane, uh, with a defeat over Kane Velasquez mm-hmm. in the third round by decision. Running through the, uh, the results real quickly, starting with the openers. Gabriel Benitez over Clay Collard by unanimous decision. Uh, Catal Pendred, a teammate of the big man on campus right now. Uh, Conor McGregor, excuse me. Over another unanimous decision over Augusto Montaño. Johnny Case, unanimous decision over Francisco Trevino. Patrick Williams with a uh, technical submission, twenty-three seconds uh, in the first round over Alejandro that Perez. Was good. That was a really good. The next run, one was yeah. good too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same and thing, pretty much. As, <laughs> as if that wasn't it wasn't fast enough for you guys. Efrain Escudero uh, fighting, I believe, for the first time in his home country over uh, Drew Dobard submission with a standing guillotine, uh, fifty-four seconds. Henry Cejudo defeated Chico Camus in a really, uh, really compelling match. Unanimous decision, uh, but, uh, across the board, but, uh, really, each round really close. On the main card, Tisha Torres defeated Angela Hill by unanimous decision. Yair Rodriguez defeating Charles Rosa by split decision, which got, um, fight of the night rewards. Kelvin Gastelum defeating Nate Marquardt in the 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 excuse me the second, right after the second, actually, by TKO, Dr. Stoppage. Uh, between the second and the third, Nate Marquardt was just done on the stool. Mm-hmm. In the co-main event, Eddie Alvarez facing Gilbert Melendez in a showdown that's been expecting to happen for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went to split decision, Eddie Alvarez getting the nod. And then, of course, in the main event, the new unified, undisputed, undisputed. heavyweight champion, possibly... A lot of people are talking about the one of the greatest of all time now, which, given the accolades that he's uh, that he's amassed at this point now, not an reasonable argument we'll talk, at all. We'll
2: talk a little bit more about him mm-hmm. uh, when that fight comes up. Yeah, but uh,
1: Sam, what did you? Uh, let me ask uh, both of you guys. You, you caught the show. What did you think of the pay per view
3: overall? I thought it was a great pay per view. Even the undercards are pretty good. Uh, you know, a, a week ago, Dan Henderson's card. It mm-hmm. was maybe the best card that's ever been and this one competed with that. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I was I was impressed from Fight One to the the finale. I yeah. agree.
2: Definitely definitely very from a from an entertainment standpoint, very entertaining. From a fight fan standpoint, you know, very technical as well. Mm-hmm. Just kind of seeing a lot of good good fighters <laughs> on the card, you know. Where are you going, Sam?
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> a little little technical issues with it uh with the camera there. I figured maybe the cat jumped on you or something.
3: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm just, just getting, getting adjusted.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Get situated there. Um, by all accounts, you know, it was a successful night in, uh, in, in Mexico City. Their second sellout, mm-hmm. 21,000. Uh, they announced the third show uh, in Mexico uh, in uh, November Mon- in Monterey, in Monterey. That uh, I don't think they've mentioned any matches, but if if the crowd is anything, like, I don't know what the distance is between Mexico City and Monterey, mm-hmm. but if the crowd is anything like the past two shows, and they book it with uh, the right uh, right Mexican fighters, um, I think that's going to be a fantastic. Uh, they're yeah. going to have go three for three. Uh, third, I mean, we might we
2: might yeah, we might be seeing uh, maybe Kane Velasquez comeback fight. Yeah, seeing how he bounces back after this loss. Yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to find Mexico. Any, but I mean, what's the?
1: Does anyone know the elevation between Monterey and Mexico City? It's a good question. I do not know. You know what? By the way, we should a uh, couple things before I forget. Uh, it looks like we are not yet on uh, uh, live on the AfterBuzz website. I believe there should be a well, chat. We're on, we're on YouTube. Oh yeah, You're on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Tell me. Uh, see if there's any. Uh, maybe somebody in the chat room.
2: Nope. Nope. I mean,
1: there are people in the chat room, but nobody's responded to the
2: Monterey, right. Mexico City, Joseph difference. Boza.
1: I know you're watching. Get on that. Let us <laughs> know, man. Um, but even Mexico City, uh, what uh, about I think a long 20, time.
2: 26 feet? So not even that much. So yeah. Oh, maybe, <laughs> so
1: may, so maybe it might be a little bit better for
2: yeah uh, Kenny Velasquez because he definitely was not. Mm-hmm. You know, he was definitely not feeling the elevation.
1: No, he wasn't. But that could have been uh, a very good lesson, fight lesson for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one that he's not going to walk away from anytime soon. Because having gone through that, I mean, that's going to stick with you. Mm. Um, the scores, well, there, there weren't any scores. But uh, that was an action-packed fight. Or oh, I was going to say in general, um, action-packed. And even the decisions, there were, even the ones that were clear-cut, I thought, mm-hmm. Delivered in terms of action, there wasn't. There there were a few, I guess, that were pretty straightforward in terms of scores, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, but everyone up there, you know, I think was uh, obviously giving it their all. Um, Maybe the Torres Angela Tisha Torres Angela Hill fight. Well, let's start with that fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, What do you guys think? uh, What did you think of the uh, Tisha Torres Angela Hill? This is uh, two women's
2: strawweight contestants. Season twenty.
1: Former uh ultimate power contestants we have in
2: guest uh team uh, carwin i believe it was
3: uh yeah yeah i was i was team carwin nelson um, versus carwin uh, so yeah, yeah i i wasn't the greatest on my season but uh <laughs> it was it was fun being on there and, uh, you
1: know the experience of the house obviously yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so tisha torres uh ranked pretty high up number five versus i believe uh angela was number 13 on this one mm-hmm. uh This was not... This did not deliver in terms of the biggest uh, fireworks or anything, but uh, scores across the board were 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. What did you guys think? Because it did feel pretty straightforward to me in terms of Tisha taking all three rounds. Sam?
3: Yeah, Yeah. I thought it was was pretty... I mean, unanimous. I didn't think anything great happened. It was probably the weakest. I mean, everyone kind of knew it was going to be the weakest fight on the card, but... Hmm it was it was okay it wasn't anything great but it was
2: what it was Yeah, nothing really stood out to me it pretty much went exactly how i thought it would go a little less entertaining of course i don't i never predict the fight will be boring or you know bad but again i thought it was exactly how i thought it'd be just without the real entertainment factor because it just kind of was plain torres just grinding her out angela hill still relatively new in the the sport so hopefully she learns from whatever she uh
1: a lot of the match spent on the ground. I felt that Angela seemed to be pushing the action or pushing, mm-hmm. pressuring Tisha against the cage a little bit early in each round. Inevitably, Tisha would get a takedown. It would end up on the ground, and Angela seemed to mute her, uh, holding down half guard and really not, not getting a lot accomplished from bottom. But also, Tisha couldn't implement a game plan on the ground uh, on the ground there, which um, I, I think kind of led to that. But you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, Tisha. Was on top. It was on top more than more than it was a battle on their feet. And mm-hmm. uh, in that regard, I think I felt like that was one of the only criteria really to to judge that uh, to judge that uh, that match. You know, what do you think that does now with Tisha? You know, having fought somebody uh, just about twelve twelve. Or, sorry, ten notches down in the rankings. Do you think that this? Do you think that this impressed anybody? Impress the UFC. Not brass, necessarily.
2: No. What do you think, Sam?
3: Yeah, you know the the women's division. The the talent level isn't that different from number ten to number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think uh, what was she? You said number thirteen to number five. She, she, I think they were similar five. enough.
1: Yeah. Uh,
3: where most number 5s in any division would just slaughter number thirteen, typically.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, so I I, I think. It was it was an okay fight. It wasn't a bad fight. So I, I think, um, yeah. I guess I don't really know what I think. Did, it, it was an okay fight, and it was what it was. Let me ask: Do you so think? I don't think anyone's gonna be.
1: Yeah. Do you do you think that the difference in in elevation that seemed to be an, an echoing theme with, with a lot of the fighters? Um, do you think that that w- that's taken into consideration by uh, by Joe Silva and and Sean Shelby when they look at the matches and and what? What happens versus what they would expect to happen on paper?
3: I, I mean, I'm sure they take care. Of, I mean, they make mental notes of everything. But uh, I mean, it, the elevation is the same for both, both fighters. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think it was that big of an issue.
1: Um, how how soon did they need you down in Australia? And I re- the reason I asked that is, is specifically because I'm curious. Uh, Fabricio Verdum spent, I think, about two months. In Austro- in, sorry, in Australia. In Mexico, getting used to the local uh, climate and altitude there. Um, Kane, I believe, spent only maybe two weeks, came out two weeks before, maybe even less. I don't know how soon Tisha and, and Angela were there. But is there a certain amount of time that the UFC expects you down there? I would think at least for about five to six days, fight week, to do any promotional stuff and also to get acclimated. Are you allowed to come down there earlier or um, – and do do they cover that, or is any earlier is on your dime?
3: Yeah, any earlier would be on my dime. Outside of the plane ticket, they'll get me a plane ticket whenever I want to come down. Uh-huh. But once I'm there, any hotel, any amenities is all on me. Um, and so my my first time in Australia, I got about seven days. My second time, I got about five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, I was comfortable with both, but I mean, it wasn't elevation like uh, Mexico City is.
2: Right. It was the most difficult part kind of getting adjusted to the time, uh, yeah. the time
3: difference. You know, it, it, both uh, Brazil and Australia were really easy for me for mm-hmm. the time. Uh, bo- both fights, I mm-hmm. was, I f- because they changed the time of day that I'm fighting. Uh, in Australia, I fought at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. in Australia. And so I was just wide awake, and it's the middle of my day for me. And where it was five o'clock back here. And then when I fought in Brazil, they had, I fought at it was a little after midnight, so it was like twelve thirty at night. But it was a six-hour time hmm. shift from what I'm used to, so it was like five thirty at night back home. Hmm. And again, I was just I was wide awake and perfect, like I like I would have been at home. So the time zones didn't really bother me until I flew back. I fly back, and then I'm then I'm lying awake every night
1: <laughs> sure cuz you've got nothing else on the mind you get to sit back and relax and the body says okay now give it my time right yeah yep man well it's worked out well for you i guess in terms of uh fighting overseas <laughs> just at the right uh, right time works for your uh, your natural body timetable it sounds like
3: yeah it was uh I, I, I've i flown a lot, I mean, lately, but throughout my whole career, that was kind of the, the biggest positive of fighting was getting to see the world. So maybe, maybe my body's just used to it. I've, I've done it a little more than most people.
1: Yeah. Next match we had at uh, 145. This one was, uh, was fireworks. I think we saw a star in the making here. Yair El Pantera Rodriguez versus Charles Boston Strong Rosa. This went to split decision. Uh, to me, it was pretty straightforward. Um, Yair uh, Rodriguez did walk away on scores of 28-29, uh, 29-28, and 29-28, uh, at least as far as uh, how Bruce Buffer read them. Um, what did you guys think of this match? This, this, was, a, this was a fun fight to watch. This, this is a guy that, who won
2: the Latin America Ultimate mm-hmm. Fighter uh, this is his second time fighting in Mexico. So, um, he fought on the last Mexico City show. Now he's fighting again on the Mexico City show. City show. <laughs> City No judgment. Show. Yeah. It's, it's you know, tongue twister. But, yeah, he, he looked very impressive. Uh This guy, 22 years old, uh bright, bright future. And if you listen to Joe Rogan, he was all praising, you know, Jerry right, yeah. Rodriguez. And rightfully so. He had a couple, you know. Uh, reversals just ground movement just being on his back just he definitely knew what to do and something that as a 22 year old he's only going to get better mm-hmm.
3: Sam yeah it was from the first I don't know, 15 seconds of the fight I was telling everyone at my house I said yeah he's gonna he's, <laughs> he's got fight of the night and uh, he didn't, didn't disappoint uh, my, my buddy uh, Jordan Winski he's an up-and-comer and he's 135 145 and I mean immediately I said Jordan stay away from this guy you get the chance <laughs> to fight him don't don't take it <laughs> Uh, did you guys? Was there any question
1: for you guys in terms of the scores? Did you guys? Not have, for me. I know. No? That, I know they they had it a split decision,
2: but I think I think get totally won that fight. Yeah,
3: Sam. Yeah, I, I agree, and I disagreed with the split decision, but yeah, he mm. was. It was. It just looked like his fight from start to finish.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of gave, I thought the first round was, was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could possibly give that to Rosa, uh, for the takedowns. Um, I think that was probably the closest in terms of striking, but after that, Yair just pulled away and each, each round really was his. He impressed me, especially like whenever, even when he was on his back, working, having flawlessly going to, to set up triangles, working from bottom, elbows, things like that. Really, uh, really impressive. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, you don't see many countries uh, come out with fighters that are good on their back like that. You know, you have America and Brazil. Uh, and he, he he surprised me. He impressed me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a guy that kind of reminded me of Kelvin Gastelum who of course another ultimate fighter winner. Uh I don't think they should rush him too much. I think he's 22 years old. They should steadily pace him. Yep. Don't don't throw him to the wolves immediately. He's still not I'm not saying that he's not ready, but Definitely, you know, groom him. You know, you know, he, he's definitely got a bright future. They're going to go into Mexico again. Yep. He can be him, Kane Velasquez. You know, a lot of these guys can be the, the poster boys of the Latin America
1: UFC. Yeah. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, what are we? We're in June. Uh, not, not too long before July. Mm-hmm. So another... Uh, let's see. Could you fit one in in the training camp August, then November? You could... Possibly, if he's if he's uh, free and clear medically, you could possibly get him somewhere in August, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then back to back to Mexico in November. That would make sense. Yeah, give him a few uh, an- another reasonable match between now and then. After that, Kelvin Gastelum. Speaking of whom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kelvin Gastelum going up to one eighty five after two, uh, I believe failed attempts at 170 at least in terms of making weight mm-hmm. um going up against nate marquardt who of course has been a middleweight uh, middleweight champion and uh and, and veteran you think he was actually a welterweight champion in strike force well i was gonna say yeah tyron woodley specifically yeah welterweight champion in strike force but then king of pancreas uh, in japan yeah. i believe that was at middleweight mm-hmm. um been around for a long time 50 fights uh, possibly a little more but uh Kelvin wins by TKO, doctor stoppage between the second and the third round. Um, Nate did not have a whole lot going on in this match here. In the first round, uh, Kelvin was pressing him against the cage, uh, landing, uh, a straight left landed and, uh, you know, just a lot of work getting the better, uh, getting the better of, of Nate in general. Um, saw a flurry at the end of the first and, uh, and, and still just more of the same. In, in the second and and between the second and third, Nate just said pretty much no moss. Good. Uh, what do you guys think? Any uh, thoughts on that match?
3: I, I was disappointed with, with Nate on that. He, he was one of my coaches on The Ultimate Fighter. Oh, yeah. And he, he was, he, he's the most impressive dude I think I've ever worked out with. Mm-hmm. He's stronger than any middleweight has ever been. Uh, his jiu-jitsu is untouched. Mm-hmm. His wrestling is usually pretty good. And um, I actually, I had him picked, I had him picked, and he was a heavy underdog. Uh, but I really thought he was going to get it, and I was wrong. <laughs> and to hear him, I mean, to hear him say, I've, I don't have anything more, that was it. That was really kind of heartbreaking for me, because I just, just I, I think the world of him, and I think he, he's about as good now.
2: I agree. I, I think, unfortunately,
1: he's one of those guys who,
2: so the It's sport... sad
3: to see him sit like, at like that
1: yeah do you think that that's the last we've seen of him or you think he's still got a little bit more and maybe it was just this this camp and this show
3: I, I think he's got more I still think he's better than anyone in Bellator and I think he's <laughs> still an entertaining fight for the UFC um I, I, as long as as long as he's making you know a decent paycheck with it,
1: why 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 quit now? Right. Yeah. There was something. Go ahead, George.
3: I you want to say, sadly,
2: it might not be. And I'm hoping you know nobody should ever have to worry about getting a paycheck. But I mean, the guy's lost four of his last fights. I don't know how they yeah. that might be viewed from the UFC brass. Of course, yeah. I, I want to see him mean, I've always like 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 Sam. I've always been a fan of Nate the Great. Uh, so, you know, even going back to Strike Strikeforce, seeing him... I, I still get that vivid image of him just completely destroying Tyrone Woodley with that with those uppercuts. I'm mm-hmm. uh, seeing Woodley collapse. So, I know he's got it in him. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, losing four... I mean, at the same time, though, losing... The guy who he's lost to, those guys are top guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. while he may not be able to compete with the top five or top, you know, seven or whoever, yeah. I think there's still a place for Nate Marquardt as far as just still being a, a fighter.
1: Yeah, I, I would expect that there's a a few more than a few matches uh still left in him how how competitive he can be in the ufc i'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. um and i don't i don't want to dismissively use the word gatekeeper Mm -hmm. but it does seem like he's a guy that is going to be kind of um a a benchmark or a measuring stick for these up-and-coming guys like kelvin Mm -hmm. um to see if they if they're ready to to go to the next level you know, in in terms of possibly uh, top fifteen or top ten guys. Yeah. You, know, what's fascinating to me is I, I, I look at Nick Marquart and I think about Andre Arlovsky and what we've seen in the past year or so with him. Um, everyone was writing off Andre, thinking his career was done. You know, the losses that he was having were were something pretty severe, and he gets a shot back in the UFC. I, I felt at the time pretty much kind of to to fill in a slot more than anything else, mm-hmm. but he took that brass ring and he's run with it you know and that's kind of what i expected out of nate with this match Mm -hmm. um i it it was a tough call and i know that i owe somebody a sushi lunch uh having lost a bet on this one but uh you know i that's what i thought was going to happen with nate taking nothing away from from kelvin Mm -hmm. um i just thought that nate was gonna was gonna show up and uh yeah unfortunately wasn't wasn't the case there was a lot of talk afterwards about with Kelvin. Uh, of course, Dana I think had forced him to move up to to middleweight after mm-hmm. not making weight twice um, as easily as he should have at, uh, and, at l- welterweight. And
2: as post fight interview, Kelvin you know recognized, hey, I hey, wasn't as disciplined enough. I know I can make one seventy because quite frankly he's made it before. Yeah. Uh, but Dana White said came out and said, nope. Nope, nope, nope. You're not going to fight at welterweight. Absolutely not. Did he say that
1: he wasn't going to fight, wasn't going to allow him to fight at welterweight? Or he just didn't believe that he can make welterweight? So I'm going to quote Dana White here. Um, I honestly don't believe he can make
2: 170, which is weird because he's made it before. But Mm -hmm. he looked great at 185. He looked healthy. He didn't look like he was going to die at the weigh-ins, and he fought great tonight. If you're me or anybody who remotely cares about the kid, where do you want Mm -hmm. him to fight? I get it. He wants to be at 170, but he's going to have to do something to get to 170. So I guess he's not opposed to it, but it's if you're if you're a boss you you, you know you got to have confidence in these guys
1: as, as just employees, yep. and if he doesn't have the confidence then you well, really don't really have it, a choice it sounds like the the answer between now and whenever he fights next is a, uh is to do a dry cut mm-hmm. dry run and and see if he can make one seventy uh, in a healthy way sam i don 't remember offhand Have you ever fought at one seventy or have you always been at eighty five
3: i unfortunately have two fights at 170 for the, the unfortunately he say. <laughs> yeah no it, it was I, the UFC calls you don't ever say no but I was yeah. really close to saying no they said hey can you make 170 I said yeah sure I'll get there alright <laughs> you got 29 days he said oh
0: shit okay. what, <laughs> now, now what weight were
2: you at when they called uh, what, what was it when, uh, when they called you to make welterweight what weight were you at at that time 220
3: okay oh jeez Maybe a little, maybe a little less than that, but right around there.
1: Oh, that's a lot of two a days and three a days, isn't
3: it? Oh, and, and it was no food for a month. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. It was, but I made weight. I made weight. <laughs> I, I've always said I will never miss weight. If they needed me at one fifty five, I'd find a way.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. I,
3: I, I just I think it's disrespectful to miss weight, and it's sure. just it's my sport. It's part of what I have to do for my sport, and I will never miss weight. Mm. Uh, were those those were in the UFC? You said uh, for the Ultimate Fighter.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha, right? Because yeah. I didn't remember. I am looking here, and you know, Tom Watson, Dylan Andrews, Cesar Matanch, uh all all eighty five, yeah, I believe. I'll,
3: I'll never do one seventy again. I yeah. Mean, I, again, if the UFC says Sam, we really want you there. Can you just oh fine? Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's it's not good. I I got so weak d- doing it, and it was. I mean, it showed up in my my second fight there. Yeah. Um, in the in the house.
1: What do you think about Kelvin trying to get down to seventy? Do you think because it strikes me at, I, I feel like if he stays at eighty five, he's going to be a smaller, shorter guy, but compact. He's five nine. Yeah, exactly. So to that end, is he is he better off being like a Frankie Edgar of the middleweights? You know, smaller but but stronger, or or do you think well, it's a healthy cut down? Do the healthy cut.
3: I I mean I. I... He looked good at 85. I couldn't blame mm. him if he stayed there. But if he wants to fight 70, he's got the frame for 70. Mm. Uh, I mean, he, five nine is not. He would. He might be the smallest 185er in the in the division. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: I met him once, and before he was officially the champion, it was during his episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize who he was. I didn't watch the season. <laughs> so depressed after losing mine, I didn't watch his season. <laughs> um, and uh, he was he was smaller than I than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least shorter. Uh, I, I wouldn't have guessed eighty-five meeting him in person.
1: Hmm. Which is to say, do you think it's just lifestyle change that would need to would be the successful key to get down to seventy at a at a healthy and reasonable rate?
3: Uh yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. You, you you do it. I mean, who is it, Dolce or Rock? Rock something? Or Michael? Those guys mm-hmm. are supposed to you. Yeah, you pay them a lot of money and they make you get on weight. That might not be a bad idea. <laughs> you make um, it sound so simple. Just shell out your cash. They, me, they make it sound so simple. <laughs> pay me and I'll get you to any weight you want. And you'll be the greatest fighter ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the co-main event, Gilbert El Nino Melendez and Eddie Alvarez. Again, a, a showdown that has been years in the making. Um, going uh, Another split decision, going the distance. Eddie Alvarez, uh, former Bellator lightweight champion. Pulling oh, out.
2: This is a fight that's kind of been brewing because they were champions of opposite organizations. Mm-hmm. Not not
1: UFC. It was right. essentially Bellator, Bellator and Strike versus Strike Force. Strike Force. So yeah. yeah, this is one of those dream matches that everybody was talking about years ago. Right. Eddie Alvarez coming ahead with a split decision win. Uh, again, uh, 29-28 uh, twice. Uh, another judge saw it, 29-28 for Melendez. Mm-hmm. How did
3: you guys see it? I was disappointed by the fight. It, it was a fight I've been looking forward to for a long time, mm-hmm. and it wasn't bad, but it was not nearly as good I as agree. I thought it was. You know, it should have been. I, I thought all... it was probably four years past when it should have happened. Yeah. Do um, you think that that was, was a big was part okay. of it? It was okay. It was kind of a boring wrestling match for the second two rounds. Yeah. And um, yeah, and Alvarez won. I mean, I, and coming out of the that big elbow in the first round, I didn't think he was going to, but mm-hmm. he, yeah. he pulled it together and pulled out the. Video. Victory. I mean, his left
1: eye was practically shut. If you noticed, mm-hmm. yeah. Gil Gil landed a really nice uh, right elbow right on his on his left eye, mm-hmm. and it was looking bad. And then between rounds, when Eddie went to Joe Rogan made a big deal out of this about the the science of blowing your nose when you've got an eye injury, and uh, Eddie went to blow his nose, I, I guess to clean out some of the blood mm-hmm. in his system. And uh, boy, that thing that eye popped up, mm-hmm. and, and it was. It was really kind of shocking, visually shocking that uh, that Big John didn't stop it, given mm-hmm. how much it seemed like it was closed. But uh, Eddie and his team were able to bring it down enough to convince him mm-hmm. that he could see through both eyes. I'm a little spoiled by Gilbert Melendez and Diego Sanchez fights because after seeing
2: them together, knowing what they can do, and mm-hmm. that night was just magical for both of them. So I agree with Sam in terms of, yeah, it was an okay fight. I expected a lot more fireworks when, when this fight uh, happened. Uh, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I, I think the right person won. Mm-hmm. I, I think the way the judges looked at it, it was, well, here's a guy with one eye shut. So, Gilbert, it should be easy for him to finish. And because he didn't finish, hmm. maybe they might have scored it for uh, Alvarez. Maybe because he was cu- the coming-from-behind underdog for those last two rounds. Hmm. And he stood up with them evenly. Yeah. So, I think they just edged it
1: to Alvarez for the, last, for the second two rounds. Do you guys think... Sam, let me ask. Do you, do you guys think that... Um, what do you think it was that prevented this thing from being an all-out war? Was it, again, the the altitude guys not being as acclimated as they thought they might be? Do you think that it was the emotion between these two guys that just kind of shut down wanting to get into a dogfight and, and risk it at the sacrifice of possibly losing to the other guy? Or uh, or, or was it too late? Was it four years too late, like I, you said?
3: I I think they were scared of getting taken down by one another. Yeah. I think if yeah, I kind of anticipated it being more of a wrestling match for the whole fight, and it only it kind of turned out to a cage drag down match, kinda. Yeah. Um. But it, that was my guess is they they were they didn't want to throw any real combos because they didn't want to open themselves up to being taken down and 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 you know beat that way. Yeah. Um. So I, it kind of looked like both game plans were just not what I thought they should have been. Yeah. I was a bit surprised
1: and disappointed that we didn't see the Gilbert Melendez mm-hmm. of old like you said with the Diego Sanchez fights or the trilogy with Josh Thompson. Those he wasn't afraid at all at, of leaving it all in the cage. Um it was a mentality where you you had to earn and and throw down in order to progress in the match. And I didn't see that. I was really surprised that you could almost literally count the number of strikes and how far ahead Eddie Alvarez was in terms of his activity compared to Gill. Um it was it was low output from Gill, which uh is not the one that I've that obviously we've come to know and love. Uh, you know, didn't have a great performance previously against Anthony, Anthony Pettis. Pettis. Um do you think that do you think he turns he goes back to the, the tool shed, figures things out, retinkers his game and, and comes back stronger and better? Or uh what do you where do you think he is in, in his career now?
3: Yes hasn't turned the corner downhill yet. I, I think he'll go back, figure some things out, and,
1: yeah.
2: and
3: come back strong. you got to remember, uh, Al, Alvarez is is hungry right now. I mean, he's coming mm. off the... His last fight was Cerrone, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah, back in September.
3: and He just got tooled by Cerrone. Oh, yeah. Uh, his, his big debut after the big Bellator you know, legal battle about whose contract was the right one and all that. Yeah. Cerrone just tooled him. He was hungry. Uh, Gilbert just came off a loss against Pettis. I mean, like a bad loss against Pettis. Yeah. I... I I could see him not not being so hungry and taking over his really light
1: hmm i uh i I wonder if how much he impressed the ufc uh with this performance i would think his toughness certainly Mm -hmm. can't be questioned going another two rounds with that eye the way it was and really being you know pulling out the win without any real controversy i think Mm -hmm. um that that's impressive but um do you continue to, to push him up the ranks, do you think? I mean, you give him a shot. You have to give him a shot. Yeah. Especially
3: after yeah, he's only up had, the whole thing. He had two fights in the UFC. He has got. To, he still thinks he's a title contender, so he's, oh. he's got to get up there.
1: Yeah, yeah. But do you put him back up? I mean, by typical MMA math, Gilbert being number four and Eddie number nine, with a win over Gil, does that make him the number four contender, do you think?
3: Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Think of you, you know, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, you beat the best. So I think he's he's the new number four guy. Going- I mean,
2: yeah, depending on how long their, their injuries are out, I wouldn't mind putting uh, Alvarez against either Pettis or uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Khabib,
1: uh, Well, Khabib's on the shelf for a little bit, but, yeah, that puts him. Yeah, just depending on when they come back from injuries. Number two, Mm -hmm. Cerrone. He's waiting for that title Mm -hmm. shot. Number three, Khabib. And number four, Gil Melendez. Number five, uh, Michael Johnson, which uh, could also be a really interesting fight Mm -hmm. between him and Eddie. I I could see that match happening, actually, Uh, if Michael's not already booked. I don't remember offhand. He's booked in August. Oh, he's got one coming up. Okay. Well, it's around the corner. Before we get into the main event, which I know is going to give us a lot of uh, fodder for talk, I want to uh, talk to you guys here. Just an announcement from us at AfterBuzz. Uh, as you guys know, we love hearing from you guys. Tweets, comments on YouTube, things like that. We read every one of them. George and I especially do. Um, and, uh, you know, want to get your feedback, want to continue the feedback. Podcast One is doing a very important listener survey, which will take about three minutes for you guys to uh, to fill out. It helps us know which direction we're going and what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. It helps us to improve the show and also gets you guys involved in our show. You can't be producers because a lot of you guys don't live here in L.A., but you can uh, help direct the show and give us ideas and help us uh mold and, and uh, improve this thing. So please go to podcast.one and uh, look for the survey. Uh It's instant gratification for you guys knowing that you've helped uh contribute and direct the show here. Uh tell us how you really feel. Hold no hold back no punches. Pull no punches, I should say. Uh and help us get to know you guys better. So podcast one uh podcast one dot com. Excuse me, pardon me. Podcast one dot com to be sure. Uh and look for the listener survey there. Thanks a lot. So no, thank you. No 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 thank you. And you're, thank very, you, Sam, welcome. as well. You're welcome. Sam, you can uh, now that you've you've done an afterbuzz show, you can go to podcast one.com. Oh, oh, uh, I'll be there. I'll the be there experience of being there. a guest. <laughs> all right. So we've got history made now. Kane Velasquez, Fabricio Cajalo, Verdum. Uh, there were two championship belts on the line. Well, I suppose one on the line. There were two championship belts going into this match. There is now one definitive heavyweight champion in mixed martial arts. I want you to know, and I got video proof. I called it. Did you? I said Verdun was going to win. Was that on the previous show? Is yeah. that your video brief? on last week's show. Okay. Fair enough. I called. Though. I said
2: Verdun's going to win. Go back. Uh, Miss Tough Enough said uh, Kane Velasquez is going to win. Miss Tough Enough. <laughs> I think it's mostly my biasness toward Verdun because he's such a nice guy. And you were there, too, when we interviewed him at uh, the Invicta show. Yeah. I'm like, man, what a nice guy. I really hope he wins. So you partially- haven't had
1: a Kane Velasquez interview, but you've got... A Fabricio Verdun right. interview. You've not only that; you've got the only afterbuzz interview in Spanish. That I, me personally, I think that that rocks. That's very cool. I, I tweeted it, but Verdoon didn't retweet it yet. Not I mean, well. Maybe he will now. He's been busy. Yeah, yeah, maybe he can get back to the internet. I did tweet, now. It, like, I did tweet
2: <laughs> it like at eight forty-five, and I got upset that he didn't tweet back. But whatever. Well, I'm sure he was busy doing something else.
1: Just uh, an incredible performance here. Um, I, I've got my opinions on it, but I want to hear you guys. We know what you were thinking, George, going in there. Or did it go this is the way that you went? And Sam, what do you think? Is it uh, who did you who do you have?
3: And and did it work out the way you thought it would? I was kind of split going into it. I edged out uh, Kane, uh, but Kane got it. Kane looked terrible. Uh, hmm. He had some weird funky groove moving with his feet and his hands. Nothing yeah. seemed flowing. His head right. movement too. He came, yeah, he came out aggressive, which was typical him, and mm-hmm. then. He was just kind of weird after that. He, everyone says he was tired. He didn't look tired to me. He just looked kind of awkward. Wobbly? You know, when, yeah. yeah well, you know when BJ Penn fought uh, Frankie Edgar that last time.
0: Mm. Uh,
3: yeah. And it, it was BJ just didn't look right. It looked terrible. And Kane kind of I mean, looked terrible but in a different way. Not not at all like BJ. But uh, And coming out of the first. First, even though I think Kane won the first, I called after the first. I said, "No, I Verdum's got him."
1: Yeah, I. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I felt the same way after the first round. Um, and, and overall, in general, I, yeah, this was not the Kane that we're used to seeing. He was very wobbly, looked kind of like a a bobblehead, stumbling around in the second yeah. and third. But that first round, nevertheless, I did end up scoring it for Kane. I don't know if I'm in the minority uh, with a lot of people, but. Um, Kane, Kane was busy. Kane was he was working the clinch. Uh, they were both trading a lot of shots, and Verdum was, was getting in on his head, to be sure, and, and opened him up with a cut. But mm-hmm. that said, I thought that Kane was still taking it to Verdum and you know, just barely edged it out with the striking battle in terms of power and accuracy.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I gave him the first round, and it was kind of even more downhill for him after that. Yeah, very much so. What do you think, George? I i mean i i
1: you had told me that you gave uh verdum the first one yeah i uh, I look at him i
2: i think Kane at the obviously not anymore, but was the best heavyweight maybe maybe even of all time in the u f c uh just his just the way he just completely destroyed g d s last fight mm. uh so I do think the cage rush has a lot to do with it because he hasn't fought in twenty months. Mm-hmm. And we've seen with, especially with Vitor Belfort, just how long, just being inactive. Maybe that's why Cerrone wants to fight all the time because he wants to always be in that zone, in that moment. You know, when you're mm-hmm. not when you're not fighting, you don't really get in that zone. You're too busy, you know. Re- re- and again, injuries happen. I'm not doubting that at all. But, you know, in Verdum, he was always active. He, he's beating guys like Mark Hunt with flying knees, you know, be- beating yeah. guys like Travis Brown, uh, Big Nog, you know. So he's definitely being active as much as he can. Uh, with that said... I just think that Verdun has just gotten that good to the point where he can match with anybody, especially this fight. I think with was Travis Brown, you saw the improvements in his striking. Uh, mm. You know, especially of course, nobody will ever, ever, ever doubt his his jiu jitsu. Right? right. I mean, maybe even best heavyweight in the entire world. Mm-hmm. So you knew that he was going to have that advantage. But yeah, I just I just didn't think that Kane was going to take him to the ground. I, I think that Verdun's been that good at striking, and I that's why I gave him. I thought that's why I picked him to win.
1: Um, this is the other part of the story that really baffles me—not mm-hmm. uh, baffles, but impresses me about Fabricio Verdun. Some some stats here. So he's twenty and five, thirty-seven years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wins in uh, Jiu-Jitsu Wiz, black belt, uh, very highly accomplished. Uh, Abu Dhabi combat wrest- uh, combat champion. In, uh, from way back as 2003 in Sao Paulo, 2003, 2005 in Brazil, um, Pan American Jiu Jitsu Championships, open, uh, at the open weight level, uh, and, uh, and I believe, uh, uh 100 kilograms, so that would be a heavyweight. 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, uh, IBJJF in, in the early 2000s. Um, there was a time, if you look back in his, his career, uh, a lot of his, it, it a little bit checkerboard. I mean, he's had a very impressive career mm-hmm. in general, but let's see two thousand six, two thousand seven. You know, some uh, some wins and losses here. Losses: to Sergei Heritonov, uh, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, uh, Andrei Arlovsky Junior dos Santos, and then somehow a light switch. A light switch goes on with him. And he turns things around and and just goes on a ridiculous tear. Of course, he really caught people's eye. Uh, what was the year Fedor two thousand ten finishing Fedor Emelianenko at that time considered uh, the top one of the top fighters in the whole world to have uh, yeah to have walked the world on two feet you know mm-hmm. uh, and and from there White followed that up with a, with a bad loss to Alexander a boring fight a bad yeah bad to be no, qualified yeah, yeah no, not just a bad quite. matchup he didn't get beat. It was a matchup where he kept jumping guard, and going around. I think ground
2: would destroy him right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, and, and then just going on a uh, three, four, five, now six fight win streak uh, to the heavyweight title, and being considered because he's finished Kane. And I think Fedor as well also helps to his credentials. Considered one of uh, another one of the possibly top ten or, or top uh, top five heavyweights of all time. top heavyweights, possibly top fighters of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something to be said, are we Sam are we having that conversation about that too early? do you think or has he deserved, uh, has he you earned know that?
3: ever since his, his his win against uh Fedor put him in the conversation, mm-hmm. and yeah. his loss against Alistair, who I think is, is i think alistair's terrible I think he 's a terrible fighter, I think he's terrible back then mm-hmm. uh, th- I think that will will tarnish his uh world's greatest uh you know goals. Yeah, uh, but uh, maybe somehow someday he can get a rematch. Alistair will never be a title contender, but hopefully someday he can get a rematch and he'll just walk through him. It, it, a loss won't help and happen twice, and I think if he gets gets that loss one way or another off his record, I think then you can start looking at uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know the goat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's your prognosis uh, in terms of? Potential contenders for the heavyweight title. Possibly and, JDS. Yeah. Uh,
2: possibly J- JDS.
3: I think this is JDS's shot to, to get it. Because yeah. uh, honestly, if if I, either of those guys fought Dos Santos last night, the way they fought Dos Santos would have won. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I I think Dos Santos stands a much better chance against uh, uh, Verdum than he does against Kane. You think with the striking? You think he stays away? Yeah, I think with the striking. And I think his takedown defense is good enough. Yeah, um, that that the jujitsu wouldn't be as big an issue.
2: Huh, interesting. Yeah, I, I would give the next shot to JDS for the simple fact that I, I think Stepe up there. Yeah, I think Arlovsky's up there. I think Arlovsky's is one win away. But the simple fact that JDS beats Stipe, so it's kind of hard to give Stepe kind of put him in there, you know. Mm-hmm. But and plus, there's yeah. history with the, with you know him losing to JDS before he left the UFC. Right. So it kind of makes sense. I don't want to see Kane get an immediate rematch because of, of the way he lost. Agreed. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah. I'd give it to JDS just to know when. I mean, I'm sure soon. I know Verdun's very active. He's not going to wait 20 months. Of course, I know injuries happen, but I know he's probably If to you want to make
3: Dos Santos earn the title, put him against Arlowski, and he'll yeah. walk through Arlowski. It'll be first-round knockout. It'll be a fun fight right to watch. now. Put him <laughs> against. Then you can say, okay, we're not just handing it to Dos Santos. Dos yeah. right. Santos has earned it.
1: That's uh, the beautiful thing is you've got, you know, you've got losses – by Verdum to JDS and Arlofsky. So you've got storylines there. Mm -hmm. They were both in the UFC, Mm -hmm. so it's not like it was... Uh, a a storyline that you've you've got to play out, play off of, and don't have the resources to promote it.
2: It's been a long yeah. time since the heavyweight division's been like this, because before the long time, it was Kane and everyone else, mm-hmm. or yeah. Kane and Joe Santos and everyone else. But now yeah. you got Verdun, and now it mixes everything up because well, he lost to JDS, well, he lost to Overeem, oh, but Overeem's you know he's whatever, you know, he lost to Ben Rothwell, you know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. all these things, and so I'm kind of happy that the heavyweight division is finally in. You know, I don't know what I'm looking for, the word I'm looking for, but... The bottleneck yeah. has opened up.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, and the bottleneck mm-hmm. for a lot of our, our champions right now um, that are that are clearing out their divisions, Ronda, De, Demetrius Johnson, mm-hmm. it was because they were clearing out their divisions. Mm-hmm. There was bottleneck. And so we were looking at, well, who can viably be the next contender? Mm-hmm. With Kane, I think what's interesting is the bottleneck was because he kept getting injured. Mm-hmm. You know, he had... This was... Uh, I think I saw a stat about what, 300? No, 600, 602 days since the last time that he fought. 20 months. Yeah, and for the past several years, he's had two opponents, Bigfoot and JDS, you know, since he he Mm -hmm. won it from Brock. Um, So now this bottleneck opens up. We've got a new guy and a whole bunch of people that we can go through in terms of potential uh, candidates for for a heavyweight title shot. And frankly, Verdum, I don't think has the same track record of injury Mm -hmm. that, that, that Kane does. I think... I, th- I think this is good for business, mm-hmm. even though I, you know, I'm sure the UFC doesn't. Uh, well, they're not. They're not publicly going to say who they want to win, um, but this does open up a lot of uh, a lot of interesting matchups, especially because he's fluent in English. Not fluent in English, but he's okay in English. But
2: fluent in Spanish, fluent in Bra- uh, Portuguese. Yep. Yeah, and I think he's fine in English. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, but he, I mean, when you think he can be a spokesperson for either Brazil or mm-hmm. you know, obviously the
1: Latin America cards. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, it should be fun excellent show a lot of fun uh to watch this one i think this is going to be one of the top uh pay-per-views of, of I love, there was a
2: promo that i loved uh promoting uh ufc 190 yeah i thought it was I thought it was well produced as far as they had a uh, promoting rousey versus cohea mm-hmm. and you had uh their uh ronda's opponents quoting you know oh well this
1: is what's going to happen and they show a clip of ronda destroying her <laughs> I, I just thought it was a cool promo yeah yeah Sam, let's talk about what's going on with you. The last time we saw you was uh, actually not too long ago, like we said in in May, a uh, brilliant finish to uh, to Dan Kelly, just uh easy uh, quick night for you there if nothing else. Um have they been talking with you yet about uh, a next uh, next round for you, next matchup?
3: up? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've been kind of Yo, know, I tore my L C L about four eh, five weeks before I fought Daniel Kelly. Mm. And so as soon as the fight got done I finally got my MRI, got things taken care of. Mm. And um five, so I'm cleared to do everything. So I've been on the phone with Joe Silva the second I stepped out of the doctor's office. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm looking for uh I'm looking for early August, I'm hoping. If I can get August, October, December, uh wow. that that make me a happy fighter. Quite
2: on a roll though, three straight first round finishes. How does that make you feel?
3: Oh, I'm feeling great. King Smiling. Uh, uh, you know, it, just to get in the UFC is something. Mm-hmm. Then to get a win in the UFC is something. And now I've gotten three, three in the row, one bonus. Although I think I should have had two bonuses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd agree with you there on that, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it just it feels great. I, I, I'm very, very happy to, to, to be doing what I'm doing with the company I'm doing it with. You've been fighting since 2008
1: – hey George it was july nineteenth two thousand and eight just a few days shy of j day and George Day oh wow, July sixteenth guys fans everybody in afterbuzz and Sam, you as well July sixteenth feel free to come uh celebrate j day and george day up here in uh in so somewhere here in soCal but um what I was going to say i'm leading to man you've been fighting since two thousand and um, been through a lot of a uh, lot of regional promotions uh, I first remember. Do we still got you there, man Okay, we do good. Um, I remember first seeing you in the uh, in, in the MFC uh, fights televised from Edmonton on access TV. Uh, you've had some matches in Bellator as well. Um, talk about this because you've had it, it's been quite a long windy road to get to the UFC. Um, talk about that uh, talk about that that journey and, and being here. Obviously you're loving the, the, the moment in the limelight that you right, rightfully deserve.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, for, for I, to start it off, the when I started fighting, my goal wasn't to get in the UFC. It was to beat the guy who's standing across from me. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't know there was a such thing as the UFC until I was well into my professional career. Get out of um, here, really? Yeah, no idea. Uh, somebody said, hey, you want to fight in a cage? I said, yeah, man, <laughs> count, count me in, I'll be there. So um, they, they said, all right, you're fighting this guy. I said, okay. And then they said, hey, you want to fight again? I said, yeah, I'd love to fight again. Um, then eventually somebody said, Hey, Hey, you want to fight in Russia? And this is, I'm still an amateur here. I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll fight wow. in Russia. Um, uh, and I got back from Russia, uh, on a Sunday, I was there for two weeks, got back on a Sunday on Wednesday. I got a call said, Hey, you want to do a, a heavyweight tournament next weekend up in up north? I said, count me in. Uh, so I went up and I won this heavyweight tournament for King of the cage. Mm-hmm. And, um, from there I turned pro and I still no idea that UFC was a thing uh, I was just fighting and eventually somebody said they'd pay me if I fought I said oh that, that's pretty sweet uh, and so I just kept going I started training somewhere along the line and uh, they, and it's just been a, a great a great trip eventually I saw that I can start making some real money doing it um, little did I know it was going to be six years before I made a little money doing it uh, <laughs> But uh it, it was it was great. I, I, I've had a great career. I, I fight as often as I can. That's I mean yeah. I've got more fights than most UFC fighters do. I think uh Nate Marquardt's about the only one with more than me now. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I, I've just How's been there... living the dream. Getting to travel, get to see the world, get to get to do something I'd be happy to happy to do for free.
1: Yeah. How I gotta think that their reaction to you has been pretty uh pretty favorable um like i said you know one of the most personable guys in the cage at all there you go that's the smile and as as i understand that's been kind of your nickname for uh for even possibly longer than than even your uh fight career um has it uh the last show you had uh, uh i'm gonna gonna cut to this question with uh the tanning sponsor that you had <laughs> tanned across your your chest there this was shortly after uh some figures for the reebok deal came out and uh it's not the first time that we've seen something like that in MMA. You know, people – henna tattooing or uh, – I think tanning might have been a new one though for uh, for that sponsor. By the way, let's plug them. Who was that sponsor once again? And uh, how, how has that affected uh, things with the UFC? I know you got a little bit of a talking to but and presumably moving on after that.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, first off, it was Perfect Tan. It's a Perfect tanning tan. company here. Uh, Just like me. Uh, hmm. he, he trains with me. He's actually on the amateur team at a Team Quest. And, um, yeah, and he, he trains with me. Great, great guy. Brian DeMint is the owner. Um, so And he, he's got he, – he always brags about it. He's got – it's like the nicest tanning facility voted upon by, in the uh, Southern California area for like the last four or five years running.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
3: he, he's – if you ask, he'll tell you everything about how he's won the awards. But it's a really – nice place um and it actually wasn't his idea uh i came up and said hey i would love to do this uh and it'd be even better if you paid me <laughs> and he said yeah okay <laughs> um so i he, he hooked me up with the stencils and um after i made weight but before i stepped on the scale i had my wife spray tan it on and yeah <laughs> uh, yeah stepped on the scale didn't know anything was wrong nobody said a thing about it i flexed. You know, you no know, wink that everyone did all that um and then the next day I was walking to the cage I took my my cape off and my shirt off and uh one of the the what do you call them? one of the one of the, the UFC inspectors. guys said hey that's got to come off I said it, it can't come off it's on <laughs> me for weeks i said oh well, okay we'll go do your thing uh, so I did my thing I, I came back and I got yelled at bad. I, there were like four different people at oh, different really? times, said Sam Dana White is pissed you can't be, you can't do that I said I swear I didn't know <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have um, have you talked to Dana since then about it not Dana I never I never talked to Dana I talked yeah. to him once while I was on The Ultimate Fighter uh-huh. um, uh, I talked to Sean Shelby yeah and uh, he said, "Yeah, Dana was pissed." I said, "Look, I'm so sorry. I didn't know." I said, I, "I believe you. It's in the contract. I should have known. I just, I didn't." You said um,
1: it's a few weeks. Is it still on you?
3: Uh, no, it's it's faded. It faded, but it was on me for probably two two weeks, hmm. two and a half weeks, something like that.
1: All right. So yeah. the the half naked guy walking around with his shirt off in uh, in Marietta and Temecula, <laughs> everyone knew who Sam was, so and they, everyone knew where Sam was
2: going. Did they get a girl business because of that?
3: Yeah, he, he was laughing about. It. He said his Facebook page erupted <laughs> nice. uh, a little bit during the weigh-ins, but during the fight, it just erupted. He said he got pe- people from North Dakota. He said, "Hey, I don't need a tan, but I just wanted to give your page a like for, <laughs> for helping Sam." <laughs> That's uh, excellent. Yeah, and so he, and he's, he's been he's been great. And he told me, you know, likely the UFC didn't tell me this, but likely having perfect tan on my chest cost me that bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was it was a pretty cool knockout, mm. uh, yeah. And it, it, but luckily, did he told me though that he said he'll get me that fifty thousand dollars in free tanning over the course of my life. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was not a complete loss.
1: I was going to say, and you being a uh, bit of a ginger, there, you, what you're probably going to finish that up in about two or three years. But let me ask you this
3: though: what if what if you
2: just put ta- on 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 yourself? You tan Reebok. Will you get in trouble?
3: I, I'm not going to try anymore. So I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm not going to do anything super exciting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, if UFC I get a chance, I'll talk to Reebok and maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Or just put um,
1: UFC out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just a thought. Um, we were barely, uh, barely had a chance to scratch the surface with you, but a few, uh, a few other quick uh, questions here. One of the, th- one of the many different things, angles with you, Sam, is, uh, your wife, Having uh, McKee Sullivan, having launched a working model or a former model, I don't know. Certainly, supermodel status, as far as I'm concerned, winner of America's uh, America's top next top model season mm-hmm. eleven, correct? Uh, yep, yep. Um,
3: it's cycle eleven.
1: Cycle eleven. That's right. Yeah, thirteen week episodes. Um, you know, there's there's the backstory behind that. How you two got together, and the fact that she corners you. Uh, in pretty much all of your uh, all of your career, I believe, correct?
3: Yep, she was there from fight one. Um, she was at the beginning. She was just a free ticket if I said she was my corner, <laughs> and uh, she eventually she took it more serious than I did. Yeah, uh, it was honestly it was probably her that introduced me to the UFC because um, she
1: was the one doing the research and yeah.
3: Right? She, she's been she studies my opponent more than I do. She she's a integral part of my camp, and she works with a lot of the guys. Guys, too, you know. I mentioned Jordan Winsky and Tom Galicchio is the MFC champion. She
0: mm-hmm.
3: she works with these guys,
1: right? Right. Um,
3: yeah. You guys, uh, do you guys meet at uh, Team Quest down there, or how did this come no, about? No, I met her long before I moved to California. I met her at the Bristol Renaissance Fair, right on the. The state line of Wisconsin and Illinois, and that's um, the
1: next thing I want to um, want to talk about. You guys and Renfair guys, check out Smiling Sam's Twitter, uh, his Facebook page if you can find it. Uh, I'm not sure if you have an Instagram or not, but face uh, Renfair Star Wars convention cosplay. You think this guy is not just another pretty face and, and big grin in the cage? Um, you are. You seem to be
3: like a kid at heart here. Where does all this come from, man? I I guess that's just it. I am a kid at heart. I always have been. And uh, I my goal when I first started fighting wasn't to be a fighter. It was to fight. Um, <laughs> and it just turned out I was okay at it. I got some power. I, I've been gaining a couple other things I, I wasn't born with. And, uh, yeah, I've just been, do- I've been doing me.
1: Nice. So you were at the Star Wars convention like a month or two ago. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, it was one. the Star Wars uh, birthday celebration that's 20, 25 years.
1: In Anaheim, generation. right?
3: 50 years or something. Yeah, right in Anaheim.
1: Uh, what was your it costume? Was so much fun. I didn't It quite, was just a blast. I didn't quite catch your costume. What was it?
3: I I have like a leather hood and I had face paint. So that's what I was. I was do a guy you, in a leather hood with face paint. Do on. you
1: have any like
2: unique Star Wars memorabilia? Uh,
3: not yet, but like I said... Until recently, I've been a pretty poor fighter, um, so my collection is going to start growing here in not too long.
2: Okay, what, nice. do you, what do you have in the in in your mind? What do you have in your eye? Uh,
3: I, I, Yoda's the man. I, I'm going to start getting some hmm. Yoda stuff. I got the Yoda fat head. Actually, I I tra- I had a Yoda fat head. I traced it on paper. I cut it out, and then I taped it to my daughter's wall, and then I painted over it. Then took it down. So she's got a Yoda uh, on the back of uh on the back of her door in her room. Hmm. Right. So I, I'll I'll get some cool Yoda stuff. I'd would love to get you know a, a life size which is two foot tall Yoda statue, but uh, we'll, we'll get there.
1: Wow, nice. Well, like I said, we've uh, barely scratched the surface with you, man. Um, we've got to wrap it up here, but really want to get you back. Hopefully, uh, maybe sometime we can get you here in studio. Hopefully, we'll get uh, uh, Brit uh, alongside with you, and we can uh, chat some more about uh, about all things Smiling Sam. Uh, oh, we'd love
3: to. That'd be so much fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, real quickly, tell us, uh, confirm for us, where can we find you online? What, uh what social media are you?
3: Yeah, hit me up. I'm Smiling Sam on all of it. Twitter, I do more than anything else. I've got the Instagram. I do the vines every now and then, mm. um, but I try and keep up to date my uh, my fan page, and it's Smiling Sam, professional fighter, uh, and I and I do more with that than anything else. But if you hit me up anywhere, I do my best to get back to you.
1: Okay, there you go,
3: George. Cool. What do you got to say? Uh, well, you can find me
2: at G Hermosa on Twitter and at Instagram. Again, please vote for our—I don't want to say former co-host, but no, 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 yeah, no You no. never know. She's, she is she is permanent after both. No, she people. might she might be a former co-host if she wins the whole thing. And Dari Baronaro, vote for her. Uh, she's she's I know she's in a good environment. Hashtag Jersey Devil Takeover. Yep. Let's see how far this can go.
1: It's not just an experiment, it's like really like legit. Yeah, guys, we're pulling out all the stops. Joe Boza, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh you I believe we've got to uh download the app. I should we should uh clarify there is a tough enough WWE Tough Enough app, fan voting every week after each episode. Uh you can vote there. And again, Daria the Jersey Devil Baronado, potential uh former after yeah, Buzz- Possibly former UFC <laughs> Afrobus <Buzz> co host. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, J Ten Seven One Six Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and I think that's about all we've got here. So, we
2: thank will you be so much, Sam Rovi. Yep. Hey, Sam thanks and for
3: having me on, guys. This was a blast. No
1: problem. Can't cool. wait to see you fight again.
2: Best of luck, hey, to everybody.
3: Either. I can't wait to get in the cage again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. We'll be looking to to get you on there. Uh, best of luck to everybody uh, at the gym, and I'll be calling you pretty soon about the amateur team.
3: Hey, that sounds great. I'll, <laughs> I'll, get, get, them, I'll
1: get them excited. Let's get perfect tan on there, huh?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what he's a fighter I, I'll do what I can That he, he, is about the time he's looking to fight again
1: him and me I want a photo of he and I in the ring at the University of MMA it'll be perfect tan and perfect tan
3: <laughs>
2: that, <laughs> oh I get it because your name is tan ah. oh, oh
1: I get it now okay. there it is I just got it <laughs> Marissa do we have you in the booth there yep yep I'm here cue that music lady absolutely <laughs> take care guys hey have a great night guys thank you
0: from executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro Phil Svitek and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network To watch or listen to other after shows And post comments or questions Be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com